Good afternoon, Calvary. How is everybody doing today? I am Graham Parker, uh, co-host and producer of this podcast. Sitting across from me is Jess Miller, co-host, and I'll give you the title, executive producer, which nice. means that you just get like your names that. in the credits and you don't do anything with the actual production of this podcast. That's right. Although that's not entirely true, but... I have to think through a little bit of what we're talking about. Right, yeah. So right. producing, is that the... Uh, um, I'm thinking like I'm cutting and clipping and taking out all of our stupid things we say. Well, I think about a producer, too, like a movie producer. Like Sitting he's in a chair. tying everybody together. Yeah. Now that would be more the director. That's so director. he's like pulling it all together and bringing everybody in, right? I don't know. I don't know what they do. I don't quite know what Maybe they Maybe they have the concepts and they bring it to people and manage that or... I don't know either. Well, if somebody knows the answer, they can always uh, inform us, I guess, because we don't know. But we do have some exciting news that we need to talk about before we get into our subject today. What um, is it? Well, I, did you get my email that I sent to you? And this is really a congratulations to the church. This is big, big time stuff. Calvary Bible Church has been selected as the winner for the 2021 Best of Grand Junction Awards in the category of Places of Worship. There we go. Wow. I mean. That's exciting. I forgot about that. I, I'm i really excited about this. And there's a picture of our trophy in this email here. Um, and so we can get this trophy if we send this company some money. Right. We're not <laughs> We're not obligated to. No. How much is it? Just I don't know. I didn't click on any of the links in the email because I thought it would probably give me a virus. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, there are various award type sizes and shipping options, and they can also have a digital image uh, produced for us so we could put it in our email. We could have... Mm-hmm. I really think, though, we should get the biggest one uh-huh. as possible and yeah. put it in the foyer somewhere, like a l- little shelf. Right. You know. little display case. A little display case. Right. You know, and maybe we can get, like, a couple years running. Best place to worship in Grand Junction. Well, if all you got to do is send them money every every year and they send you a trophy, we could probably get that every year for forever now. <laughs> forever. So, you know, I'm just excited about that. But though. we are assuming, in seriousness, we're assuming that's probably some kind of It's a scam. scam. Yeah, yeah. yeah because there's no Best of Grand Junction award. Right. So. Obviously. And we wouldn't, let's just be we, honest, <laughs> we're not going to get it. <laughs> what? We you mean we it. haven't slaved? We should. Time? No, we should. We get should. It. We just wouldn't. But I, I, I mean, just... we have worked hard to cultivate an experience for people. You know, mm-hmm. from the moment they walk in the door till they leave, they're just bathed in a worshipful <laughs> experience, and the fog is thick. Yeah. And the music is moody. The lighting is dark. The coffee's good. Uh, Everything that they would vote positively for we have exactly yeah Yeah. so anyway i just want our people to be aware of that you know you've contributed to this (laughs) as well we we couldn't do (laughs) we couldn't do this without you so uh soon we'll have our award nice and now if we could if somebody wants a volunteer to use their computer to open that (laughs) so we could at least see because if it's only like 30 bucks and i get this thing i think it'd be (gasps) worth it We'd get two, one to put in your office, one to put in mine, <laughs> oh, three, and then man. one for the foyer. I think it's oh, worth it. Oh, man. So. Yes. Okay, if you have a computer that's on death's doorstep, and you don't care if it gets a virus. Or we can go to the library, because <laughs> they have the computer set out there on the internet. We pull up our email on there, and then open it up on the library's computer. I, I suppose we could do that. I suppose we could do that. Because, yeah, it would be nice to have this, just as a joke. It would be. Best 
blessed place of worship. Yep. We could talk about that year that we got that. <laughs> the good old days. 2021. All right. Well, that's enough of that silliness. Um, what are we talking about today? Uh, we are talking about things that we didn't get to talk about in our sermons in Matthew. Yes. This is a new series that we're going to call What I Didn't Say from Matthew, whatever chapter. And by series meaning, this is the first and maybe the last. Right. We, we're hoping to have a few of these because there's a number of things like when we were going through these chapters and we were trying to take them in one to two weeks mm-hmm. and some of them, you know, are long chapters and there's so much in there and right. we're like, we really wish we could have covered that. And, and, and multiple themes and things in a chapter that, it, it they didn't it didn't fit into right. one sermon. Yeah. And I think it's really that's why we I keep reiterating like our purpose in Matthew was not to do an exhaustive series right. through the book where we covered every paragraph. You know, we weren't doing it John MacArthur style. That's yes. a great thing to do, but he spent probably seven hundred years. Yeah, in Matthew. Yeah. And Matthew. So it went paragraph by paragraph, yeah. which is great. But the, our purpose was bigger picture, um, learning about Jesus in Matthew, some key themes, and helping us become better readers of Matthew's gospel. And so that's what we're trying to do. And some weeks we've done that in a chapter where we took, you know, the if there's three or four sections or stories or accounts, we would summarize each one. Right. Some of them we just chose one, one account in yeah. that chapter. And then... Um, you know, so that's what we're doing. Even this week, chapter 21, most likely as I'm shaping my sermon now will be bigger key themes from there that, that, that Matthew's pointing out, but I'm getting a little nervous. It's only Wednesday morning (laughs) and I'm at like page five or six in my notes for it, which means I just know time-wise already where I'm at there. And then I'll think of other things while I'm preaching and different things. And so it's like really... Get ready for a three-hour sermon is what you're saying. I know, or just I just have to do more podcasting on some of the the side information on that. But what I wanted to do, we wanted to jump back to Matthew 19. Mm -hmm. Now, Matthew 19 is uh, providentially a chapter we've spent two weeks in. I Mm -hmm. preached both of those weeks. I preached one week on the rich young ruler, and I passed over the first, you know, 15 verses or so on divorce and, and that, and... And then it was brought to my attention, like somebody asked me, like, why did you pass over that? And I started to think about it, and I was afraid I was going to be perceived as someone that was like, oh, I don't want to talk about that because he's right. talking about divorce or whatever. So I thought, no, let's go back and look at it. That's important. So that's what we did last week. Mm-hmm. But there were two sections that I didn't get to, and that is uh, in verses 10 through 12, mm-hmm. and then verse uh, 13 through 15. 10 through 12 is a very unusual discussion Jesus yes. gives about eunuchs. All right. And um, we're thinking, what are we gonna learn from that? But that was in my sermon. I just didn't get to it. And then in verses 13 to 15 in um, Jesus's discussion there and, and the blessing of children. So let's just, let's just read these verses okay. beginning of verse one, just get the context and we'll go from there. Uh, now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answers, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. 
What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So as we looked at that this week, and I'll just pause there for a minute, we we took the approach of this that we are going to focus more on it positively as Jesus is teaching about marriage and the permanence of marriage and how God established marriage and its permanence. Then we were negatively as, and by that I mean approaching this text by saying, when can I get a divorce? When's it okay to get a divorce? Okay. And because the point we, we made was that that's what the, the Pharisees here were doing with Deuteronomy 24 in the passage about divorce and the old, in the law and using the law to do really what they wanted to do. Instead of going back to the beginning, seeing God's plan, beauty for marriage, we ended it by connecting it to Ephesians 5 and the gospel. And so that's how we approach that. Uh, but then immediately the disciples pick up on what Jesus's main point was here. And that is that God created marriage or instituted marriage in the beginning as a permanent relationship, permanent covenant relationship between a man and a woman, okay? And they they really pick up on that permanency, like once you're in, you're not getting out, except through death, because they say, verse 10, if such is the case of a man with his wife, that is, it's permanent, it is better not to marry. And, um, and so right there, we're thinking, we're thinking Jesus is going to kind of now, like a just casual reader, you know, you might you might be reading out and think Jesus is going to go into, no, it, no, marriage is wonderful. Right. And, and, now, um, and that would be all true, okay, in the beautiful picture of marriage, but I think he's already done that. But what he decides to do is, in my understanding here, he kind of gives some validation to what they just said. Hmm. In other words... There is value in staying single. There is value in not marrying. Yeah. Okay, so he says it this way. He says, but he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. This saying is probably what they just said. It is better for a man uh, not, or it is better not to marry. Yeah. Okay, that's probably where that this saying is connected. All right. And then he says, but only those to whom it is given. So not everyone can affirm that statement in the sense of or receive it in the sense of, no, it is better to be to remain single. But some to some it's given. And in Matthew's gospel, that that terminology of having something given to you. Right. Like you've believed this, Peter, about me, that I'm the Christ, the son of Mm. God because that's been given Given to to you, you. like from my father in heaven, it's been given. And then he says this, he says, so there's, so that saying, like it's better to not marry is given to some by God, right? That idea, that thought. And then he says, for there are eunuchs who have been so from birth and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have been, who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. So he, he talks about eunuchs here, which we're not as familiar with eunuchs anymore, right? No. But there are three kinds of eunuchs. Like some were born, um, 
I'm assuming what he's referring to is with birth defects. Right. Yeah. And so they can't procreate and do so, enjoy some of those things within marriage. And so that was just something they were born with. Then there's eunuchs who were taken and enslaved and made eunuchs by other men. In other words, so like some of them were, and maybe even it wasn't total enslavement. Their willingness turned themselves over somebody. But uh, the most well-known example of this historically would be those who were responsible for caring for and guarding, you know, a, a king's harem. Okay. Right. And the king didn't want him messing with his ladies. Right. So they would take, they would care of precautions that. so yeah. that the man couldn't do that. Right. Hmm. And, and so, um, and they're literally eunuchs, you know, after that's happened to them. But then this third kind of eunuch is newer. Now it's being introduced to us in to some degree. These are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs, and I don't think literally, I don't think they've literally mutilated their bodies. Right. But they have just determined that they will stay single for the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, let the one who is able to receive this, or to receive this, receive it. And there, what we didn't, what, what the disciples didn't know in these verses, but that Jesus knew and would later is that there was more information about this to be revealed. Right. Okay. And so Paul talks about that information right. in first Corinthians seven, where he, he talks about um, the value and we can actually look that passage up. And as we're turning to it, it's, it's actually a value of remaining, uh, single as he did for the uh, purpose of giving oneself to the Lord completely. So as an example, he says in verse 32 of chapter 7, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Um, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. In other words, um, and so what he's, what he's encouraging then, if some people have been given this gift of singleness, then they should use it uh, for serving the Lord. Okay. There is this uh, from him is given this uh, from God is given this gift to remain single, the not feeling the need for um, a spouse, spouse, marital yeah. intimacy, all those things, but they're to use that singleness for the Lord. Hmm. And I think Jesus is kind of hinting at that here where there is a valid, there is validity in what they're saying right. to a degree that if it's been given to you to give yourself entirely to the Lord's work and that, um, that it would help you not to be married or have kids hmm. because you're not undivided. You're, you're not dividing your attention. And I was actually thinking about this yesterday because, and I wasn't even thinking about this text, but it's popped in my mind now as, as a pastor, one of the biggest one of the big struggles pastors have is this idea of being devoted to the church yeah and yet still having their family to whom they really need to give themselves to mm-hmm. and there are times when i just have a conversation with a former pastor a couple of weeks ago he said 
I just came to the point that my fa- I, I realized that my family wasn't receiving what they needed from me. Mm. And I, I stepped away from ministry. Mm. He said, I, th- I think I might come back eventually mm-hmm. here. I, I'm hoping the Lord will bring me back in. But I have to give myself to my family. Well, there's Paul even talks about that in the qualifications for an overseer, right? Right, that, right. If you can't manage your household well, how are you going to manage the household of God? So, yeah. That's right, yep. And so the, your, your marriage, your family really takes priority in you raising up your family and managing them well and raising your children, nurturing them, and Lord. So there is validity in the statement that depending on your motive— uh, it may be better to not marry. Hmm. But I think that text should really be, back in Matthew chapter 20, or Matthew 19, should be really encouraging to single people. Hmm. No matter no matter if they, they're planning to stay single or not, because they can use their singleness for the kingdom of heaven. And everybody is single for a time, right? We're all single, mm-hmm. you know, prior to we getting married. Even pe- married people were single at one time, right? right. So, Because <laughs> a lot of times I know single people get discouraged and um, and that, but, but at least in part, one of the principles that comes from Matthew 19 is that while you're single, use that for, you know, the kingdom of heaven's sake, and that's a good thing. And then, uh, and for some there is given a gift of singleness. Mm. And the Apostle Paul, of course, being the primary example of that, f- they just don't sense the need to be married. Yeah. And um, and that ties into with sexual relations and things. They just don't have the same kinds of desires, and they can use that for um, the kingdom purposes. Mm. Good. So that is the one uh, section that I thought we could talk about. And then the next one is in Matthew 19, of course, verses 13 through 15, which is about the children being brought to Jesus. So it says, Then children were brought to him, that he might lay hands on them and pray. Now the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such belongs to uh, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. And this whole context, in part, is teaching against the idea that there are insignificant people at mm-hmm. all, period. Uh, but also, especially in the kingdom program of God. And in the Jewish thought, perhaps, I mean, children were a blessing, I guess, to a degree and a gift, but they weren't they weren't given much attention to. And when these children were being brought to Jesus, this was an inconvenience to more important things Jesus had to do. Mm-hmm. So the disciples are rebuking. Uh, it says he rebuked the, the disciples, rebuked the people that could be the parents who are bringing their children to Jesus to bless. And of course, Jesus stops them from doing that and says, let these children come to me. He's already in the gospel of Matthew shown how children can be an example of, of kingdom people and humility and not pursuing greatness back in chapter 18, right back in chapter 18, not pursuing greatness, becoming like children used a child's example. And here it's more probably in chapter 19 with children being the example of a person coming to faith in Christ with that, just that simple faith in Jesus, you know, and that's, 
for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. And but the point or the principle that the disciples would have caught is the importance of children in God's kingdom program, which, of course, means that we must give a time and attention to children mm. and they're important to Jesus and bringing children to Jesus from a very young age, raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, bringing them to Christ as as kids in the home. And also, this is one of the reasons a church would cultivate, like we have recently, a children's ministry, because children are important Yeah, to be. We're bringing them to Christ when we're teaching them God's word and sharing the gospel. So is, is part of this, and uh, emphasize again, there's no little people in in the kingdom of God, and by that I mean no people of little importance. Yes, right. Everybody right. has value and worth. Is there applica- I mean, there is application to the church in that way because I do think at times we can tend to view certain people that look a certain way and are successful to a certain degree uh, as being more important and wanting to pay more attention to them. Yeah, because that's exactly what happens in the the account of the rich young ruler, right. which we did look at on a Sunday morning. Yes. Th- what Jesus, we're first seeing these examples from Matthew of the little ones, right. so to speak. And and then um, and then you see the example of this rich young man, and it's, the idea might have been, man, if anybody's suited for the kingdom, it's this guy, yeah. right? And he's really important, and yes. yet here he is. He ends up turning away from Christ, mm-hmm. and and the disciples are like, "Well, who then can be saved? You know, right. if he can't." So, I, I I do think throughout Matthew's gospel, I'm seeing this recurring sub theme of, um, how did you put it? Uh, there is there's no, no little people people of little value. That's right. Value is important. Yeah, little yeah. value, and we are to view everyone in Christ yeah. as the same and care for each one as the same. And, and James is going to really address this when he gets into the sin of partiality in the church that he was writing to, and expanding on how this is actually playing out in the church, that they were not doing what Jesus is teaching here, and it created great problems. Yep, that's so. right. And I think just in this chapter, is just an example of how much there is in the book of Matthew. Yeah. Like, what we just talked about, just in what we just talked could have been a whole sermon, right? Mm-hmm. And you could multiply that by three or four per chapter easily. Right. Yeah. And there is there are main points in Matthew. There are sub points and mm-hmm. themes that run through it and principles that come out of it and discipleship teaching and doctrine and theology. It's just it's just filled with so many things to do that it's been right. frustrating every week <laughs> to try to determine which parts we're going to hone in in. But I do think it's been good for me to do yeah. that, to be forced to say, now I want you to hone in on what, what the most important thing mm-hmm. about this is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think, I hope it's been, I'm sure it's been helpful for our people. Yeah. I hope so. Cool. Anything else from Matthew 19 you want to bring out? Not this week. Maybe next time. <laughs> we'll see something <laughs> else. In we'll there. see we'll something else. Back. That's the beauty of, of scripture, right? Is that like, you can come back and you're going to see something else that you're like, I didn't see that. I, we need to emphasize that. So, well, we hope uh, this podcast has been helpful for you, our listener, those who are part of our church. Uh, we want to equip you and edify you and build you up. And so we hope this has done this. Uh, if you're part of our church, we love to hear from you. You can talk to us on a Sunday morning. You can send us a text. You can give us a phone call. If you're outside the church, uh, send us an email at our specially designated email for this podcast, thecalvarycast at gmail.com. Blow up our inbox, which won't happen, but you could do it if you want to, right? Uh, we love to hear from you, thecalvarycast at gmail.com. 
calvary.com. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.